Hey, welcome to the Soulful Lounge podcast. I'm Tracy Manu. Together, we'll share conversations with remarkable people from all walks of life. Some have achieved exceptional things, some have triumphed in adversity, others are simply sharing their pearls of wisdom and experience. Their stories will touch you, and the actionable tools and strategies we share will support you to honour the call of your soul and create a life you truly, deeply love. excited today to introduce you to Erin O'Hara from Golden Yogi. Hey Erin. Hi. So good to have you on the show. On the show, that sounds funny. (laughs) But it is, it's really good to have you here and I'm looking forward to chatting with you today um, about, you know, strategies for people who might be struggling. Um, Your story, I want to hear all about your story. Let's share that with people and anything else and everything else that comes up along the way. So I think a really good place to start is tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you to where you are now. Okay, well, um, my background, I actually been involved in yoga for a long time. I started yoga in my late teens when I was at university. And I've been on quite a healing journey. Uh, I got really sick when I was 17 years old. It actually started with glandular fever, kissing disease as a teenager. Um, But I actually got a lot of um, complications with it and ended up with left foot drops. I had paralysis in my left leg and chronic headaches and chronic fatigue. And I just really struggled. I actually had nearly the entire year off school and I had some visits to hospital and it was just a really horrific year with my health and up until that time I'd really never been sick. I'd had nearly every single day at high school I went to school never had a day off and then all of a sudden I was hit with this massive illness and I was on a mission to go to med school was actually my journey and um, I really it was my heart was set on it and then I got sick about the third week into the school year and was just knocked like a little soldier and basically spent nearly the entire year at home Um, and it was quite hard we sort of went from one doctor to another doctor to a specialist to um, all sorts of other alternative therapies like I was put on a potato soup diet and did a Epsom salt baths and amazing all sorts of amazing therapies um auric healers and kind of tried everything because we were in that space of not knowing what was going on the doctors were trying the best they could they were doing more testing trying medications and kind of couldn't get any answers of what was going on with my health and in my body Mm -hmm. and um so for me it was really opening my eyes to a lot of healing modalities that I probably hadn't even come across up until that time. Like my, my background, my family was quite mainstream, but also quite alternative. And until I actually got sick myself, I didn't really sort of um, experience the different types of treatments that were out there. And so that was a real year of self-discovery and healing and um, I still had that mission of wanting to go to med school, but not wanting to go to med school because um, my belief of um, doctors had really changed over that year because I think that a lot of people in their mindset think that doctors are really like God and they know all the answers. And I came to the conclusion from that year 
that they don't know all the answers and they're just doing the best they can do from the knowledge they know and there's a lot that they don't know as well and there are a lot of other options out there and so that was really the start of my journey into sort of natural medicine and looking at yoga and meditation and all sorts of types of healing was at 17 and I kind of never stopped and um, it was interesting that one of my missions was that you know you can get through anything and you can do anything you really want to do and you just have to keep looking for the answers and so one of my parts of being sick was that I was never going to give up until I can start to feel better and get my life back. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a really interesting time. And I still went to university. I didn't go to med school. I studied science and physiology instead. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got to the end of that. And I was like, well, what now? Yeah. Um, like, what am I going to do with this degree? I don't want to work in a lab. I don't feel like it kind of fitted in with my mindset and my values because it was quite closed and they're still trying to find answers to things that the likes of like yogurt science and vibrational medicine were so advanced on and I just couldn't find this kind of connection and link and I felt like I needed a little bit more learning and answers and self-discovery and that's where I actually went on to train as um, and do my naturopathy degree straight up. So I did six years at university. Wow. Back. back. Gosh. <laughs> but learned so much. And part of that, I also was looking at like yoga and meditation and like looking at oracle cards and all sorts of healing modalities through that journey. And also with that mindset of, you can do anything if you put your mindset to it. I also, from going from having paralysis or left foot drop in my leg, I then went on to race as a professional athlete through this part of my life as well. Um, Hang on, before we move into that part, this is so interesting already. (laughs) Before we move into that, so you getting interested in naturopathy, was that part of what helped heal you? No, I'd already healed by then. Like they put it down to medical mystery was how they kind of just wow. they, they they named it that in the medical system. That's what got put on the notes is that they don't know what went on in my body. But I got my feeling back in my leg. None of the tests oh were conclusive. Um, I also had been tested for diabetes insipidus where I was drinking 11 litres of water and was dehydrated. Wow. (laughs) Um, There was a lot going on that they couldn't explain and they had no answers. And I guess that's where for me, I was like, well, you know, if I don't fit any of the models, what is going on? What is the true essence of health and well-being? And why is the science model little bit closed because if you don't fit the model they don't know where to put you and they don't know how to help you and I think that you see that like I see it in my clinic as well as I work as a naturopath is that I see that people come when they don't get those answers and they're still looking whether it's chronic fatigue which is one big thing that people probably come and see a naturopath for or cancer is another thing where people go I'm not getting the answers I want what else can I look for? What else can I do? So whenever people kind of hit a wall, I think that that's a time where they quite often will open their minds to other sort of healings. And I, I know I did that for myself. Whether it should be used in that way is probably another question, whether we should be a little bit more complimentary, which I think we've moved that way. Now it's probably, what, 20 years since I was sick. 
but back then they were very separate worlds was the the medical world and the alternative medicine world but i think they're they're kind of a little bit more merged now Mm. um it's quite fascinating that you um wanted to be a medical doctor you got unwell there was no reason or they couldn't you know what's the word um put it down to anything in particular that was wrong with you but it allowed you to open up to all this natural stuff that then took you on a whole new journey eh? it's just my whole life pathway and if i look back on it now i feel like it was kind of like the universe meaning and being like actually that's not the pathway for you get on this track and go this way because i think my whole mindset from going through that has changed because I have now the mindset of if I'm following the right path, life flows. And as soon as things start to get a real struggle or I start to get a little bit sick, I'm like, okay, what what am I not doing right? What am I not listening to? And I think that's probably the biggest thing I learned now that I reflect back on it from that time is that I was trying to push too hard to go in a direction that my mind thought I wanted to go into but it wasn't actually the right pathway for me. And I think that I hadn't, obviously I was so young that I didn't actually know that until I had to just experience it for myself. And I know for me, when I'm not listening to what's my own truth and what's my pathway, I'll get physically sick. And that's kind of like I get knocked over and I have to reflect and then get back on my feet and off I go again. Um, and everyone, like some people get physical symptoms and other people will get a lot of mental symptoms, whether it's depression or extreme tiredness or anxiety. And I feel like sometimes the physical symptoms that we experience in our body is because we're, it's a little bit like a wake up call. Like, what are you not listening to? And you actually tune in and you actually start to sort of navigate yourself in a, in a better way. And look I re- up yeah, I really relate to that because I think of it as even anxiety or depression or like you say, aches and pain, whatever is going on in the body can almost be intuition, can't it? It's, it's still telling you that you're not in alignment, you're out of flow. Yeah. Out of flow is probably the best description of it is that when we experience these these physical symptoms in our body, that it's nearly like a little bit of a a nudge from like the universe that be like, hey, wake up a little and get in the right direction. And, you know, I think it's really drawn me to vibrational medicine and I have a real big interest into that. And I think that's probably my main link to understanding yoga and yogic science is that link between understanding the physical body and the energetics of the body Mm. and i have a really strong belief that science eventually will be able to they'll they'll go into a little bit more of alignment of understanding energetics Mm. um, and understanding that disease will come into the energy field before it becomes physical symptoms. And if we can pick up disease in our energy field, imagine what we'd be like. We'd be able to pick up when things are getting off balance, correct them before we actually get the physical symptoms, whether it's a sore knee or a sore throat. We'd be like, oh, actually, I'm getting a little bit off balance in this particular area and work on some healing there. And I think that there'll be one day some little scanner that will scan your energy field and you'll be like, well, you're off balance here and here and here. This could reflect on you might get 
you know, possible illness here and there and there. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're probably not that far away from being able to have that sort of technology because mm, I reflect yeah. back to even looking at MRI scanning and that was quite woo-woo mm. and, you know, looking at magnetic fields, like it's it's actually no different looking at magnetic field to build an image. Mm. So I think it's kind of like the next step of going into understanding the energetics of picking up the energetic field okay what's on the outside of the body knowing that there is scientifically proven to be an energy field like a magnet that is around our body as well and i think that we will eventually get there and have some great technology that will help us so much in building like a bridge of being able to heal and looking at the energetics as well as the physical rather than just being based on the physical and symptoms which yeah. is kind of where we're still at at the moment yeah and where we end up looking for the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and sometimes dealing with massive stuff eh? when actually there's all these signs that are happening beforehand that are telling us stuff often yeah not always do you feel like there was like when you got sick at 17 do you feel like there were when you look back that there were signs that you were getting unwell or was it just come out of the blue it came out of the blue so fast and i think that i could pick it up probably the days leading into it and well, I was actually going on school camp and it was the final year at high school. And I said to mum, I don't want to go on school camp. I don't feel very well. And she was like, oh, you'll be fine once you get there. You know, good mum's doing it. Yeah, maybe you're just a little bit nervous. And I actually only lasted about 24 hours and she wow. had to come get me because I, my physical body just went so downhill so quickly. Oh. And um, and also it was a big learning for me of not pushing against sort of sickness because one of my mindset, I was a very type A personality, go, 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 you can get through everything and nearly in that muscle through kind of way. And I think as soon as I got sick, I tried to still have that mindset of being sort of that more competitive mindset of I can just push through this, I don't get sick, kind of soldier on. And um, it didn't work for me. It actually sent me backwards. And that was a lot of learning in itself because I remember that even in I think maybe second or third week of being sick, I ran 3,000 meters on the track. I was a very good runner and I still won it by miles. I was so sick, I went home and went to bed. I was like, how crazy was that? And now I look back on it, I was like, what insanity. Yes. But it just shows you that sometimes you, you have that physical drive that can like push you through things, but is it healthy? And I guess I look back on that, and I was like, that was not healthy. But at the time, it was something that I probably didn't even think about. Yeah. And I think it really set me backwards um, by doing things like that. And a lot of learning. Mm. Don't just keep pushing. Yeah. Um, and that sometimes you've actually got to surrender and stop. Which is, I feel like, what a lot of people do when they get sick. Even if it's just the cold, you know, they, they still continue on. And then they wonder why they're not beating that cold. Uh, you know, it's interesting, eh? Yeah real pushing mentality mm. I, I think our mentality just recently has changed a little bit though because mm. of COVID-19 coming in 
that there is a little bit more of the mindset of slowing down and people are having a little bit more respect for their health and respect for other people's health because they know that they can't just push through and be in the presence of other people if they are expressing symptoms and i think Mm. it's actually become quite a good thing is that we're actually honoring our health and how we're feeling a little bit more than we probably did before such an act of self-love isn't it like you know just to stop and to listen and yeah take care of ourselves absolutely so you went from unwell to being healed to you were going to carry on the story professional triathlete yeah so I got into well I was doing my um, naturopathy studies I actually studied online for most of it Mm. and I got into I lived in Taupo and I got into racing triathlon and I was very good and so very quickly so I ended up racing pro circuit and moved to the states and raced on professional circuit wow and um I obviously it just shows you that you know you can really do anything and I guess one thing that came out of being sick is that if you really want something and you really listen to following that flow that you can kind of do anything Mm. and um that was really triathlon for me like it was not something that was a most people who race on pro circuit is their childhood dream and they dream of being these professional athletes is one thing I learned on while I raced in the professional field is that for most most athletes of most styles of sport is their dream they they plan it from childhood they're obsessed with the sport for me it wasn't it was something that I kind of fell into without even having a plan or a goal and in that next thing I knew, I was racing on the pro circuit. <laughs> um, and it just shows you how life has its own undercurrent that will take mm. you in a direction that you could never, ever imagine. Like if you told me that when I was 20 that that would happen, I would be like, no, not me. Um, but it's amazing how life just finds its own flow and takes you in a direction as long as you let go and surrender to that and see where it takes you. And that was a really incredible experience of going and I learned a lot about my physical body, but also a lot about mindset because I raced on the, the long distance triathlon circuit, which was half Ironman and Ironman, which are really, really big, long races. And it's not about who's physically the strongest, but also who's mentally the strongest, who can learn to be in that space of what I call in yoga, the neutral mind of being in that space of just being able to find the stillness and the calmness, even though you're pushing really hard and, and going really fast. Um, and so it was a lot of learning through that process as well of knowing that it wasn't just about the physical body. And that's where I crossed paths with Kundalini yoga because I'd always done Ashtanga yoga, which is more a physical practice. And then when I started doing a lot of professional sport, I was like, you know what? The, the, the physical yoga practice doesn't serve me. It's, it was too intense. It was too much. I got to the point where I wasn't doing much of the practice because I was just, I needed to just sit and be still and meditate Mm. and breathe and not just move my physical body even more than what I was already doing with the training. And so when I crossed paths with Kundalini, I was like, wow, what is this? This is like, it was, it was so awakening and I loved the breath work and 
the challenges of the postures of making you sit in that space where you're just in that zone of being neutral and being in the space of the mind where you're not bothered by maybe your arms flapping around. You're instead just being present with the movement and the breath and not being bothered by it. And I think I learned a lot of tools from doing that practice um, for racing. I probably did it more near the end of my racing and it kind of also woke me up to go, actually, this isn't my dream and I need to move away from this, <laughs> um, which is also what happens with life is that sometimes things flow in and then they flow out and that sends you in another direction. And I think it probably did that for me is that it taught me a lot of tools that were helpful for racing, but also it sent me back on my path because my dream was to have a wellness center and to, I always used to say when I was sick, I just want to find something that will help people like a pill that they can take and they'll be completely healed from whatever is wrong with them. And I feel like having a space like what I've created at Golden Yogi is really for a lot of people that space of coming back to themselves. And it's not really a pill, but it's really a place where they can connect and breathe and move and find some healing tools that they may not have known about or experienced. Mm. And it's my own sort of version of the the pill that will help people. <laughs> yes, and and I and I will say, Leah, that uh, your wellness centre has definitely got that vibe because I've been there many times, not lately, but definitely over the years. And you do reconnect with yourself. You know, um, you really do. It's it's amazing. And also, like one thing I got from it was I felt so much more grounded, so much more grounded than I ever had um, prior to doing Kundalini Yoga. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone gets what they need out of it. Mm. Mm. You come in with where you're at, and you leave where you want to go. Yeah, and that it's really your own journey, and that you can take your journey in whatever direction. And it's about coming back to that space of connection and listening and following your own truth. And Mm. everyone has their own journey. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you mentioned the neutral mind, and um, I really resonate with it, and I share it with my clients, the positive, negative, and neutral mind. Can you share um, that for our listeners? Yeah, so um, one of the things with the mind is that there's more than just the one mind, and we sort of divide it in yoga teachings into the negative mind, the positive mind, and the neutral mind. And your negative mind is really your default mind. And that's why for quite a lot of people, it's the real obstacle, but it's really, really important as well because it is our survival instinct. So if you want to sort of look before you cross the street, then you need a negative mind to sort of protect you, to be like, hey, watch out. Um, And that is why it's a really important part of the mind is to have that negative mind to be able to sort of navigate, okay, where are the dangers? Where do I need to sort of put myself back in the right place and in the right track? Um, And then there's the positive mind, which is really about uplifting you and giving you that positive mindset to be able to sort of tackle a challenge without sort of getting taken down by the negative mind which is quite important but we also don't want to be too positive otherwise we'll be like the Pollyanna of like not letting trying to be over positive and over happy and that's not very helpful either and that's really where the neutral mind is kind of the midpoint 
And the neutral mind is the space that we call also the meditative mind. And when we go into meditation, it's not about being negative or positive, but it's about coming into the neutral space and get into that space where we kind of navigate the, the positivities or the polarities of life of positive and negative because everything in life is a polarity. There's no sort of straight direction. Life is a little bit more undulating of ups and downs and positives and negatives. And it's the same as like if you look at day and night, there's, you know, everything in life has an up and a down and a positive and a negative. And, and the neutral point is that, that nice stable point. And that's where we want to head in meditation and in our yoga practice is to learn how to access that neutral space in the mind where we can be in the space of calmness. And eventually, if you do a lot of meditation, the ultimate goal is to go into a space of shunya, which means zero, of going into the ultimate mind of nothingness where it's just zero. And that's a really challenging place to get to because our mind chitter chatters all day, all night, and it's always on the go. And that is where having some tools can take us into that space of learning how to access a very neutral space of nothingness that's right within our own minds. So would you say that for people who aren't uh, doing meditation, would you say that being an observer so being in the present mind and observing the positive and the negative and what's going on is similar to the neutral mind? It, it is. I think we always view everything in life by sort of like working out sort of that balance and that harmony between positive and negative and finding that neutral ground. Mm. Um, with meditation though, like we quite often, especially in this day and age, so busy all the time. Mm and don't want to find that space to actually stop and be still. And I think, you know, the biggest thing I always hear is people are like, too busy to meditate or I've got too much on my mind to meditate. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's the perfect reason to meditate. <laughs> if you're busy, you've got a busy mind and you don't have enough time, then more reason to sit and do meditation. And I think that, a lot of people think that meditation is really complex and mm. too hard and they don't know where to start. But you know what? It's if I if I describe it like showering, is it's showering for the mind. And you know, if you think about the same with the physical body, if you didn't have a shower for a week, you'd feel all gross and yeah. icky. But if you have a little shower every day, your body stays clean. And the same with the mind is it's really a process of clearing out the mind, doing a little bit day by day. So even if you can fit three minutes mm. every day, you get way more out of doing that than doing 20 minutes on a Saturday. Yes. I think it's that consistency, keeping it simple, not making it complex. And it's like you're peeling back all the layers of stuff that just builds up all that filth in the mind or all that excess thoughts and things that we don't actually process, that is what your still point of sitting in the meditative mind is doing, is that it's bringing you back to the neutral point by filtering and clearing all the clutter so you can actually get that true guidance that is right within yourself and totally accessible as long as you don't get into the chaotic mind. Mm -hmm. So 
So for someone who wants to begin meditation, I know you're saying like, it's simple, you, you know, you have the shower and it empties your mind and, and you just stay out of that busy mind. But what is, uh, can you explain to someone who has never done meditation what they could do for three minutes? Okay. So, um, just know that I know I just described it as being a simple process. (laughs) (laughs) When you start meditation, just know that it's more uncomfortable the more you've got to filter. So if you're new to meditation, it's completely normal to feel bored, to feel angry, to feel irritated, to feel like you're wasting your time doing this and you'll get all sorts of emotions that come up. So one thing with meditation is about being persistent with it because at the start you've got more junk to, to mm. filter through and the more you can go into doing it consistently, the more you get to that sweetness mm. that is comes with practice of meditation. So be persistent and then with doing a a meditation, there are so many things that you could do, Mm. but just know it's not a goal setting session. So you're not going to just sit there and think about your goals because that is a thinking process. And I think it's about understanding that meditation is about being neutral in the mind so it's not about thinking and so how we can access that is we need some tools Mm. because if I said to you just sit there and do nothing for the next three minutes within about probably 10 seconds your mind will be out thinking about all sorts of things you've got to do and what you're going to have for lunch and and whatever things that have been annoying you and Mm. that's where you have to have some tools And with yoga, we use breath patterns, we use mantras, we use um, awareness of where you focus your eyes, bring your awareness to how you breathe, position of your body. These are all things that actually take you to that neutral space. Mm. And you need some of them to help you go into that space. So my suggestion for something super simple would be a breath pattern that helps you change your perspective, which is a really nice one if you're new to doing breath work, meditation. And this meditation, you'd inhale through your left nostril and then you exhale through your right nostril. Mm. And it's a nice, really beautiful, simple breath pattern. And it's got, gives you something to do. So you've got something to take your mind off all your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And you bring your full awareness to the way the breath goes in through the nostril and out through the nostrils. So you're going in the left side, which is the left side's the moon energy, very calming, soothing. And then out through the right nostril, which is the sun channel. And it's balancing that polarity of sun and moon. And so it's a really nice one. So it brings you back into emotional balance and also just changes your mindset and it's a nice easy one that anyone can do closing your eyes in the left out the right you can sit on a chair you can sit cross legs and making sure you're breathing from your navel as well and using the diaphragm to breathe is probably the other key thing with that breath pattern so every inhale making sure your belly rises and chest expands and every exhale chest softens and belly in towards the spine Mm -hmm. so that whole breath pattern is about following the way that you breathe so instead of following your thoughts you're just following your breath 
and then every time your mind wanders off which it will do yeah. you keep coming back to following the breath again beautiful yeah yeah, that's a great one. I like it. And um, so you can use your finger and your thumb, eh? You can use your finger and your thumb to block. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can use your thumb on the right side, breathing in the left, and then using the index finger or any other finger. Yeah. I usually use index finger and close off the left and out through the right. You can do it by just thinking about it too. So if you mm. want to make it a little bit more challenging, is that you can have your hands resting on your knees and just think in the left and out the right. Mm and using the mindset to bring more awareness in the way that the breath flows. Because when you breathe, you actually don't breathe evenly through both nostrils. Mm -hmm. It's always changing. And every two to two and a half hours, the dominant nostril will change. Mm -hmm. And so that's what actually keeps our energy in balance. So when our right nostrils um, more dominant we feel a little bit more energized it's usually when we have really good clarity of mind if you're trying to get work done you'll be really focused and that is because it's sun energy through the right nostril when our left nostril is dominant it's bringing in more moon energy and it's going to make us feel really calm and chill and relaxed mm. And that's why it changes throughout the day. And sometimes this harmony actually gets off balance. Mm -hmm. And that is where we can get that real lull. Maybe in the afternoon you might feel really flat and really tired. And you think, what is up with me? I can't get any work done. I'm so tired. Is maybe just be aware of how you're breathing. You might have too much left nostril breath. And one way you can pick up your energy quickly is do more right nostril breathing. And it actually does work. It sounds yeah. like very woo-woo, but it actually does work as if you bring more right nostril, you suddenly got a lot more clarity of mind again. Mm. And if you're feeling super anxious, so this is the opposite, if you're feeling super anxious, uptight, stressed, usually you've got too much right nostril breath and one way you can balance your energy is send some more breath through the left nostril, which is your calming channel of the moon energy. And you'll notice that when someone's feeling anxious or if you're feeling anxious, if they do more left nostril breathing, they'll feel calm. Mm. And it's a really simple way of just understanding this balance of the way that we breathe and the effect it has on the way our energy is and our, and our nervous system as well. Mm. I so relate. Um, yeah, there are definitely three, three thirty that I'll do some right nostril breathing if I'm feeling tired, <laughs> and also before I go to bed sometimes. So left nostril breathing just to like calm me and relax me prior to going to sleep. So yeah, I fully agree with you on those little techniques. The other little simple one is if you're struggling to get to sleep, is if you lay on your right side, then your left nostril is the more dominant one because it's more open. Yeah and then you can get to sleep easier. Nice, nice. So you used to do, what was the yoga you used to do before Kundalini? Ashtanga. Ashtanga. Ashtanga yoga is quite a strong practice based around a lot of the sun salutations, very active. So you move through sun salutations, standing postures, seated postures. And you finish with a, just a little bit of breath meditation is wow. usually how the traditional way it's taught. Mm -hmm. And it's the same sequence every class mm. and how it's taught. 
And um, I actually didn't know there was any other style of yoga when I started yoga. Right. I assumed that was yoga and that was it. Yeah. And I guess it took to moving overseas to be like, hold on, there's like so much yoga out there from yin yoga to kundalini yoga to bhakti yoga to and i was like all of a sudden like what yeah. where do i get the normal yoga that i always <laughs> and i think that's what made me experience and try some other types of yoga and experience yoga and its fullness because there is more than one type of yoga and i think it's a little bit like dancing if you think about dancing hip-hop and ballet are like yin yeah. and yin like it's so different and i think yoga is the same is that there's a lot of variants in yoga and it's about finding a type of practice that really resonates with you mm. and where you're at and where your energy's at at that moment in time and different practices resonate with you through different parts of your life as well mm. and that's where you kind of navigate through it yeah and then you found kundalini or kundalini found you or something happened <laughs> yeah i just went to a class and i was like what is this i yeah. was like what it kind of combines a lot of what i love with the energetic work and put it into the yoga and to be honest when i did the ashtanga my favorite part was the chanting that they did for about 20 seconds at the oh. start of the <laughs> and um i actually never liked singing at school and there was something about mantra that just sung to my soul that resonated with me. And as soon as I went to Kundalini, there was something about the music and the mantra that I thought, this is it, this is actually, and I just walked away from the first class I did and I was like, this is incredible. I don't know what just happened in there, but I feel so different. And my energy was so good that I was like, I need more of that in my life. And that's what actually really started the whole journey of Kundalini Yoga for me. Mm. I was wanting to know more about this practice and more about more than just the physical bushes, but the energetics behind yoga and right. what works. Right. Gosh. And so you did your training over there? Yeah, I trained in LA while I was still racing. It was a very... Um, different pathway obviously mm. being an extreme athlete <laughs> and doing yoga teacher training wow wow so um when you came over here i remember you telling me quite some time ago that you came over here and you wanted to teach kundalini um but there wasn't really anyone doing it here was there there were a couple of teachers not really teaching a lot of classes and when i came back here it was like you know, everywhere I went, they'd say, oh, no one really wants kundalini yoga in New Zealand or mm. chanting is not what people, people are too conservative in New Zealand for mm. chanting here. And I got so many different reasons of why kundalini was not right for New Zealanders was, and, and that people didn't even, one studio wouldn't even let me hire their space, even though it was sitting empty and yeah. because they just didn't understand the practice and it was a little bit too out of their comfort zone, so they wouldn't let me hire the space, is what I believe. Yeah. Um, and so it was a really interesting pathway because I'd come from LA where Kundalini is huge. Mm. It's as big as vinyasa, power yoga. It's like a big style of yoga there. To suddenly come back to a country where I couldn't really find it anywhere or any regular classes and no studios really offered it on the regular timetable 
And it was a journey in itself. I came back and all I wanted to do was go back to LA. The first first part of the, the first six months, I was like, no, I just want to go back to my community and my people that understand this practice. Yes. But there was something in me that was like, you know what, if I like it and I'm a New Zealander, maybe some other people like it. Mm-hmm. And I just need a teacher and teach it as it is. And if people like it, they'll come. And if they don't like it, they won't come. And I had that mindset of, I'm just going to teach the style of yoga and if people want it, they'll find it. Mm. And open the yoga studio because it was the easiest way to teach it in its fullness without having someone judge it and, mm. and put their own view on it because I could teach it the way I know it's taught mm. and I know people enjoy it. So that is kind of what I did with it. And how many years ago was that? It's been seven years now. Oh, seven years with Golden Yogi. Yeah. Far <laughs> out. And, um, and it's interesting because when you, when you go to a class, people love singing. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, they sing their hearts out, which is so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just having that openness to the sound vibration and like now with my knowledge of like understanding energy in the body and understanding the energetics behind it, it's like, well, that is why chanting makes Mm. people feel good because it's vibration. And even if you don't sing and you just sit in a room where there's music, that's vibration, you're going to feel good. Um, And the same with the gong, like when the Mm. gong playing, it's not music, like listening to an orchestra. It is a, particular vibration that makes you feel so good mm. um and just people love that part of it yeah and that um brings me to the topic of vibration and how things do have good vibrations eh? and other things have bad vibrations you know in the yeah. world what's happening in the world right now everything has a vibration um do you want to speak into that more yeah so so like the there's so much going on at the moment like energetically and I think some of it relates to the planetary energy I'm not an astrologist at all but I think this year I've really got into trying to understand like learning I research a little bit each month when there's a full moon and a new moon trying to understand what's the planets doing and there's been so much negativity in the way that the planetary energy is been affecting our, what's going on in our planet Earth and whether you believe that or not. Every time I read it, I think, wow, that sounds like exactly what's going on on this planet right now. And it makes, sort of makes me believe a little bit more in, into astrology. Mm. Um, but it's been really interesting that everything's come to the surface all together. So you've yeah. got... COVID-19, you've got um, a lot of political things going on, you've got the black matter, Matter, and everything is kind of like bubbling up to the surface that there's, with a lot of change, there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of conflict, but you know, it, there's a lot of positivity out of out of it as well because I think things are definitely coming to the surface. And one thing that's also come to the surface with Kundalini Yoga is, you know, Yogi Bhajan and mm. suddenly there was a whole lot of um, sexual allegations and abuse that came to the surface all around the same time this year as yes. well. And I think that 
it's an interesting time energetically that obviously there's something energetically that's brought mm. everything bubbling to the surface at once. Mm. And I think that although there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of people suffering and there's a lot of illness and disease and a lot of people losing their lives with COVID-19 and a lot of struggle, there's also sometimes that shaking up of what's going on can be really positive because mm -hmm. it can change our way of how we view life. And it's not the first time planet Earth's had a pandemic. No. Yeah, exactly. This, this time is a little different. And the reason it's a little different is that our mindset's different and our ability to think that we want to control it mm -hmm. is been an interesting one because if we let it run wildfire like it has in the past and other pandemics um you know if you're looking at a scientific thing like darwin's theory everyone who went to school and learned it maybe third form at school the survival of the fittest that was how pandemics ran out in the past yes you look back a hundred years ago pandemic would come through would control population and then it would settle and life would continue on again this time round, we're in a very different space because our, the advancement of technology and our mind and the way that we live our lives is different. And we've kind of sort of made, you know, we've tried to control it in mm. our own ways. Whether that's positive or negative, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm no expert in this field, but it's a really interesting one that this is like no other pandemic that's ever been before because we have put our own humanly control over the way it's kind of rolling out sort of and mm. the way we've let it manage and and um, i'm noticing that there are people reacting in many different ways and and i think if we bring this back to um how you were saying about yogi bhajan so yogi bhajan for those who don't know is who brought kundalini yoga to the western world so he's kind of like the guru for a lot of people isn't he he is for yeah. yoga. Yeah. And I think that, that that came to a surface around February. Mm. And um, it, it's created a lot of, you know, the same as what's going on in the world, the same in the Kundalini community of people kind of assessing what their values are and what they see, you know, him as a person and their relationship to Kundalini yoga as a practice. Mm. And I think that it's been a really interesting one of the way people manage different yes. things like this sort of sexual abuse that comes up of how people manage it in different ways and what their views are as well. Mm. How did you find you managed it? Because I see you as the face of Kundalini Yoga in New Zealand, you know, and and to, to have your teacher, one of your teachers come out like that, how did... How did that affect you and, and the way you looked at Kundalini and your values? I think I really, at the start, reflected on it. And I guess for me, like Kundalini Yoga, like I came to the conclusion that Kundalini Yoga is not Yogi Bhajan Yoga. Yeah. And I think that as soon as we come to that space of realisation and understanding that Kundalini Yoga is not just Yogi Bhajan, that there mm -hmm. are many other teachers and lineages that are kundalini yoga and for me that was the real essence of i never went to yoga to learn about yogi bhajan i went to kundalini yoga to have that self-experience of kundalini yoga 
And I guess once I came back to that space of, I, I like this yoga because of the experience it gives in my body. Mm. And, and also I, I do read a lot of different other books on Kundalini yoga and they, yes, there's things that don't sync up. There's a lot that do. Like when you mm. look at things like Nadi channels, which are the energy channels in the body, they're the same in all styles of yoga. And that yoga is really this essence of union. And that's what the word yoga means, to yoke. Mm. And it's about mm. the true essence of yoga that has actually helped me through it. Because I guess my, I, I never trained directly with Yogi Bhajan. And I think mm. the people that are really struggling with the changes of, you know, this allegation coming up are the ones that have spent a lot of time with Yogi Bhajan mm -hmm. and they're nearly in disbelief and they nearly looked up to Yogi Bhajan like he was God. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of that old school culty vibe, which for me personally, I was never part of mm -hmm. because I enjoyed it in LA, but I also would go to yoga and then I would leave and I would still have my life and not be sort of sucked into it like a cult. Mm -hmm. And then moving back to New Zealand, I guess I've taught the yoga and it's never been about the Yogi Bhajan and being Yogi Bhajan. Like, yeah. And I, I think that was one thing that I, I have decided that, you know, I like Kundalini yoga and that is what actually makes me want to get up and practice every day. And if it wasn't the yoga, then I probably would walk away from the practice. Mm. Um, because I know this practice works because I've taught it for coming up 10 years yeah, wow. and I see people's lives change all the time and I know the power of this practice and how it works and how it changes lives and for me that's the proof that it works and that the, the teachings are the teachings and he was a big one that always said I've watched enough lectures of his that he always said follow the teachings and not the teacher yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, whenever i think oh this really annoys me like mm. how can you say this and do something else and i think no no he always stated clearly follow the teachings and not the teacher mm. and the teachings are about consciousness they are about energy flow and the teachings that he shared are so powerful and i think one thing he kind of got caught up in was his own ego and he is a human being and he is a human person and with that he has his own problems and you know being around a lot of people that looked up to him like god that i think that for any guy whether it's in a church whether it's in a yoga community nearly every male yoga teacher leader whether it's bikram or you know mm -hmm. every lineage had this problem it's yeah. not just the kundalini problem it yes. is every lineage of yoga that had a male leader even mm. Patanjali Joyce which is the Ashtanga yoga mm. there's always come in that you know that at some point there's some sort of abuse that's come in to all of these leaders and I think with power especially when males put into power sometimes that power can be taken and the ego takes over yeah. and i think that even though they're spiritual people and living a spiritual life that sometimes they can get lost in it too mm -hmm. and that i also think there is a relationship to the timing as well 
and that we were back then in the 70s and in the time where yoga has really grown, it was very much in the Piscean age, which was very much around male domination. And I think that through that time and a lot of Indian teachers were in that place of power and with power became abuse. And it's unfortunate that that's happened with so many yogic lineages. And it's interesting to see how, yoga has changed from being um, male dominated to suddenly from sort of the 70s to the 80s the 90s the males in class have dropped off and now if you look at yoga yoga is is led by females like you go to a yoga class and 90 percent of the class will be women and if you go to a yoga studio 90 percent of the teachers will be women and I think that there has been, we've gone through a big change as we've kind of moved from a place of power to suddenly coming into being in a space of softness and feminine leadership, which is also related, like if you look even in our community and look at the leaders of women in politics Mm. and prime ministers that are women like there's so many areas where women are kind of moving into a space of leadership and one thing that women are very different to men is that women have this beautiful essence of nurturing Mm. that men can do but they don't have it as their true nature like women have and I think that's really where yoga has very much changed from being this sort of dominating power that kind of would have been through that Piscean age of um, earlier times to where we're at now, where we're a little bit more into the heart center and compassion and love and devotion and caring that comes through a yoga practice as well as Mm. being about just the mind and power. Mm, so true and I think what's really important is like you reflected when you heard the stuff about Yogi Bhajan and I think that's so important to remember that when the stuff does come up for us whether it's in our home our community or the world it is so important to reflect and it and it, I think it helps us to um, get more in touch with what we really value and what we really stand for um, which is important and not to get washed away in this river of this is what people believe I'm going to do this too, you know, like social media is something that like obviously has a lot of power, but it also has a lot of negativity that Mm. social media can really make something very big and very fast because things move really quickly and that we have to be really careful that we don't just get caught in the wave of what is the whole community thinking rather than okay what is my view on that and where do I sit with my values and my integrity and have that inner reflection within yourself rather than just following what social media is kind of doing in the way that it's navigating because you get stuck in that world Mm. so what would you say are some like do you have a tool that you use that helps you to stay in that space of groundedness when all that stuff happens um so that you don't get caught up in it all i think the key is 
doing your daily practice yeah. like like one thing for me is i don't miss my practice and i for me it's the thing that happens before i do anything else in my day mm. is about coming back to my own center point before i kick off the day and that's why i do a lot more practice in the morning than i do in the evening morning is my time where i recenter and and just allow myself to set up for the day and i think that if everyone could keep coming back to their own connection to self, whether it's like get up five minutes earlier and sit down and, and do some breath work, we can actually allow ourselves to come back to our own truth and experience what we're feeling within ourselves and what's going on in our own mind. And then things that are little problems do don't become big problems because we filter things a little bit faster rather than letting them all pummel on top of us and then be like the little um, eruption that suddenly comes to the surface all at once. And I think that if we can take the time for ourselves, we can learn to navigate a lot better. And that's really in essence what a yoga practice is truly about is that I think in Western culture, we can get caught about yoga being about the physical body and all about movement and getting fit and getting toned but actually in essence yoga is about the word the word means to yoke or union and if we can come back to this space of connecting and listening within it's like we're tuning up our own inner navigation system yeah. being your intuition which will help you in whatever walk of life that you follow and that it doesn't need to be complex and you don't need to spend two hours a day doing yoga to get the power of it, but actually just being able to do something and being consistent with it is that you can truly go inwards, connect, listen, and then feel like you can move through the day without being reactive and get caught in your own emotions, but instead be in a space of the neutral and be able to kind of navigate through all the challenges because the challenges are not going to go away. They're always going to come. They're going to go. There's going to be positive things. There'll be negative things that happen in life, but it's how you sort of find your fine tuning to kind of find the way to ride through whatever life throws at you. Oh my gosh. I think that's gold because I do find that people want to move the parts of their life. Um, so they feel better but that never lasts because things are always moving so when we can connect in and this is something like I ask nearly every client I work with how do you want to feel and one word most people say is I just want to feel connected it's like this this deep connection that they're looking for and so yeah like you say having that practice that brings you back to have that connection with you so that you can respond rather than react to what's going on in our lives is so so important um yeah i'm with you there <laughs> in the moment like the things that we learn in yoga like i've taught a lot of kids over the years mm -hmm. and like the tools that you learn even when you know you're in a moment of conflict you can either be like reactive or you can just be like just take a breath yeah. and breathe out and the composure is there for you to yes. not be reactive instead being like just some, i just need to take a moment and like i think we learn a lot of those tools when we 
do a practice for ourselves, whether it's a breath practice, a meditation, a yoga, mm. in whatever form of yoga you really love. Mm. But um, that's really what we get out of the, doing those practices mm. is that when we need them, they're at the tip of our fingers yes. when we need them rather than, oh, how, what do we do when we're stressed? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know how you were saying um, that pill, you wanted to have a pill for people. I think actually the breath is the pill isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. You get so much out of it. Like yes. breathing can help so much in so many ways and oxygenating the body and calming the nervous system and refreshing the glandular system and purifying the blood. And it's so amazing. Yet mm. we think we forget about it because it happens automatically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and lots of people aren't doing it properly, eh? <laughs> Absolutely. The amount of people that come to yoga and you say, oh, can you breathe like this? They're like, oh, that doesn't feel very yes, natural. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was talking to someone about that last night and how I think, you know, sometimes women hold their tummies in. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're breathing in their chest and their tummy isn't getting any air down there. And so when they start to practice that whole breathing from the belly, they just find it so awkward. But yeah. Yeah. They do, they do, and it's about learning to like connect down to that deeper mm. space. And I guess that's where, like, for you, you mentioned about feeling really grounded from doing mm -hmm. Kundalini yoga. Mm -hmm. And the one reason we feel grounded is we connect deep into that that deep belly with all the navel work, and we build some power and some energy. And the breath work really allows you to kind of anchor down into yourself and into the lower chakras or the lower energy centers in the body. So true. So um, if you're in Auckland and you haven't tried Kundalini, go along to Golden Yogi because it is it really is magic. Hey, so we're coming to the close. Um, this has been a good chat. <laughs> and I could continue talking to you, but I want to just ask you a couple of questions um, before we go. So first of all, what's next for you? What, what are you up to next? Well, I'm in the process of um, building a yoga app which will be kundalini practices, lots of tools that people can do at home because I know that we've been through this big transition with COVID-19 and one thing that I see that people need is they need accessibility to good tools. And so I'm working on developing an app that will release in October, um, which will be really fun. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of finishing creating that Brilliant. And what's one bit of wisdom that you would love to share with our listeners? I think just honouring yourself and always taking time out for yourself every day. No matter how busy you are, you've always got time for yourself. And you'll be 10 times more productive if you just take 5 or 10 minutes to connect and honour your connection to your own self. Mm. Fully agree. Love it. Thank you so much, Erin. It's been fantastic to chat with you. <laughs> it really has. I loved it. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Oh, we'll have to get you back on then. <laughs> Later on when you've got your app done and we can talk about that and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Thanks.